The Greenwood and Mulliner Show is sponsored by OneFootball. OneFootball is the app you all need to get the latest info on Newcastle United and the Premier League. Make sure you go and download OneFootball today. Newcastle Fans TV. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner Show. What a Greenwood and Mulliner Show we've got in prospect for you today. Sam Muller knows his man very well after his guest appearances with Mr. Tom White from Sky Sports News. Tom, of course, has a relationship with Sam, don't you, Sam? With their so not, not, in, not in that way. No, but like a working relationship. Let's just say a guest appearance relationship. Um, yeah, he's interviewed me twice on Sky Sports News, but um, I've not really spoken to him before outside of that. So it's great to get him on and. As some of you may know, he's actually a Sunderland fan. And we've wanted one on. Exactly. We've wanted one on for a while, haven't we? And Tom's brave enough to come into the Lions Den after Newcastle won and Sunderland didn't. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. We are, we haven't done the show yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so Mike Tom's been at Sky Sports since August 2004, nearly 20 years with the company. And He's pretty much done every single job at Sky. He was a runner to start with on Champions League nights with Richard Keyes and guests alike. And then presenting, reporting, writing scripts. He's also been at Sky Sports News Radio and had their own radio station as well down in Leeds. So he's pretty much done everything, but he's been a Sky Sports News presenter since August 2011, so over a decade. So he literally knows everything about Sky, knows everything about how to report on breaking news. And it's, he's very, very experienced, Sam, in this field. I didn't realise he'd been there that long. Time flies. Because when I mean, he's got a baby face as it is, but geez, 20 years, my word. Where does the time go? 20 years ago, we were fighting for Champions League. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Geez, where does the time go? That's that's absolutely stunned me. But yeah, what he doesn't know, and he, he's good pals with Pete Graves, isn't he? So um, it's bound to be some northeast based banter there, um, which we'll find out about. Yeah, but um, I can't. Fair play to him for coming on because not many Sunderland fans were, would come on to Newcastle fans TV. I know we're not the we're we're hardly Paxman, but um, still. <laughs> No, he is very, very brave, but he doesn't hate Newcastle. He has said that in previous interviews. He doesn't hate Newcastle. He just would like Sunderland to do better, which is fine. I'm sure if, if, yeah. if the shoe was on the if she was on the other foot, I think a lot of people would think exactly the same. Of course, most families in the northeast have a bit of a mix, don't they? they have a bit of Sunderland, a bit of Newcastle. But it was important that we did get a Sunderland fan on our little show, Sam, because we want to get a different perspective. Yes, it's fantastic getting all these Newcastle, four Newcastle players the women's team, you know, reporters, anybody who's a Newcastle fan in any walk of life. But it is nice to get a different perspective. Absolutely. Um, one that's just not going to tell us everything we want to hear. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I would say I'm looking forward to it. Um, I just hope he doesn't back out last minute because Sunderland lost to, to Cheltenham last night and we beat Everton, which is which was just a treat. Um, I wish I was there. I'm thoroughly jealous of you, Jonathan. But, um, yeah, 
The atmosphere looked fantastic, but I don't think it would have been quite as as uh, the, the same as the the little League One fixture last night. No, no, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Tom will be absolutely delighted to talk about Cheltenham two, Sunderland one. But we'll, we'll we might mention that. Let's see what happens with that. But uh, just quickly, Sam, to all our listeners, Newcastle three, Everton one, back to back wins for Eddie Howe's side. Kieran Trippier scoring a free kick. God, Ryan good. Fraser, Ryan Fraser, so underrated, so underrated, isn't he, Sam? Um, getting the goal as well. So, look, Newcastle thoroughly deserved all three points last night and are out of the relegation zone. Well, we could be back in it tonight if Norwich win, so let's not get carried away. There's another big game coming on Sunday, so there's still plenty to play for. Let's not get too carried away, although it is nice to have some real positivity going around and it's, it's, it feels good, doesn't it? It feels very, very good, but hopefully it can continue because Newcastle, as you've mentioned, are, as we've mentioned, are at the relegation zone, but if Norwich win as we record tonight on Wednesday, on Wednesday, then they will move above us. But hopefully when you listen to this on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday the what, Sam? Tuesday the 15th, isn't it? So hopefully 16th. Newcastle won... So, oh, yeah, 15th, 15th yeah. 15th. yeah. No, you're right. Newcastle, Newcastle, might have won, Newcastle might have won two games in a row at home at St. James's Park, so it'll be fantastic to see what happens. But I think it's about time we get this podcast up and running. Our first Mackham, our first Sunderland fan support on the Greenwood and Mullen Show. It is the Greenwood and Mullen Show with Tom White. The Greenwood and Mullen Show on Newcastle Fans TV. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Greenwood and Mullen Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Alongside myself, Jonathan Greenwood and Sam Muller, we are joined by Sky Sports News presenter Tom White. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Tom, you are our first Sunderland fan on the Greenwood and Mullen Show. We have to get it out there straight away. <laughs> but you've been very respectful of Newcastle all the way through the years. And you've always said, I don't hate Newcastle, I just want something to do a little bit better, which I think is fair enough. Yeah, it's, you see, the vast majority of my friends are Newcastle fans. So it, it, it makes no sense for me to, to be happy at Newcastle doing badly. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't hate Newcastle at all. I just happen to be a Sunderland fan. I'm from nearer Newcastle, I'm from Durham. Uh, sorry, I'm from I'm from Northumberland, but my whole family are from Durham. They're all Sunderland fans. That's why I am a Sunderland fan, and I'm delighted to be a Sunderland fan. But it gives me no no pleasure when Newcastle are doing badly. And at the moment, what does it really matter when there's two leagues apart? I mean, growing up, you say it was family influence that led you to to the dark side. Was there ever a moment when, like, you know, you're five or six years old? I'm guessing there was a lot of Newcastle fans on the playground at school was there never a temptation to to put on the black and white? No, there wasn't. But I, I mean, I've never really seen it as even something that you can do. I don't think some of the Newcastle fans would ever switch allegiance because where we're from, we are told who we support. We don't choose it. We are told by our by our parents. As long as our parents both like football and are from the northeast. Um, they will tell us what our name is and who we support. And as I was getting into football, um, the first season I got into football, Sunderland got relegated from the top flight. What a surprise. Um, and Newcastle and Sunderland were in the second division for quite a while. And then Keegan came in and Newcastle had all those great years where Sunderland really, really struggled. 
So that would have been very easy with all my friends being Newcastle fans and loving Kevin Keegan, loving the quality of players that you had, very, very nearly winning the Premier League title as well. It would have been quite easy to just go, oh, you know, all my friends support Newcastle. I can support Newcastle. But it was never really, it never felt like it was, it felt like it was kind of illegal. Um, and I tell you now that my mum and dad, uh, my mum and dad would have would have probably put me in, in their own prison had I done that. So it was just, it was, it was never an option. But there has been some very, very bad times, believe me. I think it's it's fascinating because northeast football. I think it's a. I think obviously the takeover for Newcastle's changed it a little bit, but it was a bit. It's been a bit all over the place. Obviously Newcastle being in the Premier League, Sunderland have obviously in League One now, but have been in the Premier League for a long time. Middlesbrough being in the Premier League. It would be fantastic to see Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough back in the Premier League because that's where a lot of teams, a lot of teams from a lot of fans from other teams think that these three teams belong is the Premier League. Well, I definitely agree with that. I'm not, I'm not that fussed about Middlesbrough so much. I've, um, you know, I don't really know very many Middlesbrough fans. I feel that Sunderland and Newcastle's rivalry is so strong and, and, and it, you know, a good rivalry. Sometimes it gets a little bit too unhealthy, but I think it's a, a strong rivalry. I don't think that either of us as a group of fans, Sunderland and Newcastle, really have time for another rivalry, if you see what I mean, which is a bit harsh on Middlesbrough. It's just that, I'm not that bothered, you know. I, I personally am very, very proud to be from the northeast. Very, very proud. I would, I've jumped to the defence of Newcastle fans in the in the past if they're getting slated for whatever reason. I've jumped to their defence because I'm a Sunderland fan, but I am from the northeast. I, I feel like, you know, we are all in that sense. We are all together. We are northeast people. We are northeast football fans, and I will always defend northeast people and northeast football fans. But Middlesbrough just having nothing against them whatever whatsoever but that kind of shows that the rivalry is not that strong as for all being in the Premier League someone in Newcastle should definitely be in the Premier League our um I mean our average attendance is something I think it's I think our average attendance this season is something like 31 and a half or 32,000 right. I think that might put us in the top half of the Premier League for attendances um possibly some, something like that or it might have been 11th I can't remember what it what it is but I saw it the other day um, so how on earth can anybody say that we shouldn't be in the Premier League? And it's just much better when Sunderland and Newcastle are because the whole Premier League is better because we're two very passionate sets of fans. Uh, we always sell out away ends. Um, and, it, and it means so much to us. And we are big clubs. We've got good stadiums. We've got big fan bases. We both should be in the Premier League. Unfortunately, we're, <laughs> we're a long way away. Being very nice about Newcastle, I was all prepared to 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 take the mick and say you lost to a race course last night and this that and the other, but I'm not going to do that now. Um, but I mean, there is still a chance the derby will be back next season. Um, hopefully for you guys, hopefully not for us. How do you think the rest of the season will pan out? There, there is no chance of a of a derby next season. I think Newcastle. I've I've said all season Newcastle will not get relegated. Um, and that was before the takeover, before the transfer mm-hmm. window. I've said that Newcastle will not go down. Um, and since the transfer window, even, even less chance, I think you'll be very, very comfortable. In fact, I think your transfer business was, was good. It might end up being very good. 
But I personally think it was good. But it was definitely good enough. Definitely. And I don't think there's any way that you're going down. As for us going up, automatic promotion is gone. Um, we're in a terrible run, which can't last forever, although I've said that before, and, and it has. Um, I hope I, we should, between now and the end of the season, be good enough to get into the playoffs. And from there, who knows? But we've never, ever done it in the playoffs. The only, the only time we ever got promoted in the playoffs might have been before your time, but we lost the playoff final and still got up. Um, because in the old Division 2, I don't know if you know this, the old Division 2, so the 1989-90 season, and I got into football at Italian 90, so that summer, uh, the playoffs in the second division, which is now the championship, in the playoffs, Sunderland and Newcastle faced each other in the semi-final. Sunderland won the semi-final, got to the final, lost 1-0 to Swindon. So Swindon were going up to Division 1, now the Premier League. Sunderland were staying down. However, Swindon were done for financial irregularities and relegated rather than promoted. So they went down to Division 3, now League 1, rather than going up to Division 1, now the Premier League. And Sunderland, by default, got promoted, causing even more problems between Sunderland and Newcastle because that season Newcastle finished third, Sunderland had finished sixth. Newcastle's argument was, well, if Swindon can't go up, it shouldn't go to the playoffs. It should be Newcastle because we finished third. Fair argument. But it was Sunderland that went up. And that is then when I when I got, in, got into uh, football, by the way, was, was that summer. But in terms of us winning the playoffs, we've never, ever won them. We've gone up for them once. And that was by default. That's a, that's a really interesting story. I actually knew that story. Um, I just couldn't remember which club. I, I, I was confident it was something like a Swindon, but I wasn't too sure on the yeah. club. But you just wouldn't get that nowadays for sure. But before we talk about your career on Sky, Tom, I want to ask what are your best and worst moments in the derby? What what moments do you look at and go, oh my God, I'm so glad I was there. And I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to watch that game again. Well, the worst was was easy. Because um, I go to all the derbies, but when I go to, to the St James's Park derby, I always sit in the home end because I can't I can't get in the away end. So, and I've, like I say, all my friends are Newcastle fans, so I can always get a ticket somehow in the Newcastle end. And I've got to say, by the way, I've never had any trouble ever. No one has ever, and I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm certainly not famous, but but I am in the public eye. People know that I'm a Sunderland fan, especially in the northeast. And I've never had one moment's trouble. Touch wood, never, right? Never. I've even been to Newcastle away games in the Newcastle end, just with friends. Not a bit of bother ever, all right? So that, that's, a, that's a good thing to say to you. But in terms of the, the worst moment, obvious, because we lost 5-1 to you, and I'm sitting there in the Newcastle end. And we were absolutely pummeled. It was awful to the point where the people around me, it became quite obvious that I was a Sunderland fan. And this was before, I'd this was only a few months before I became a presenter. So no one, at that stage, no one would have known. But it became quite obvious that I was a Sunderland fan because I was just slumped in my seat. And when the fourth and fifth goals went in for Newcastle, everyone around me, they, like the, the, the few people in my vicinity actually like kind of stopped celebrating because they felt sorry for me because it was so bad. <laughs> Which, I mean, that, that's how, I mean, when Newcastle fans feel sorry for you, that's when you know you are really, really struggling. And then 
I never leave games early, but on that particular occasion, I had to get the next train. Um, it, it, there was only one train I could get. So it meant leaving about two minutes before the end. We were five nil down anyway. We ended up scoring stoppage time. So they won some. So that was just an, an absolute embarrassment because we actually had a quite good, quite good team. We finished tenth yeah. that season as well. We actually had a, de- a decent team, um, and we drew the we drew the home match in the last minute as well. It went it bounced in off Asamojan's bum, yeah. um, and we drew one all. And we had a decent team, and, and that so that was definitely the, the worst moment. The best, um, it's it's. It's torn because the the late the late Barini winner at the Stadium of Light was pure ecstasy because we were terrible. We'd already accepted that we were getting relegated and we were only about nine games into the season or ten games into the season. And that eventually put us on course to stay up uh, that season under Gus Poyet. So, so that one um, brings good memories. But I think the, the 3-0 under De Canio as well was just like mind-blowing it was like a dream because we were terrible and then we'd gone to Newcastle who were good and won 3-0 and actually played really well we were thinking oh my word Paolo Di Canio might be might be a genius I mean he wasn't but at the time we thought he might be so that's a good memory but I think probably the best one was um the the great man Gary Speed scored for Newcastle early on and I was I was late to the game because I'd have to get I, I was coming back from Edinburgh at the time, so I lived there for a while. And me and my dad, like, raced to the game. We're walking up the, as we're walking up the steps, Gary Speed scores for Newcastle early on. And my, me and my dad are like, I've come all this way, right? And we're, we've walked in and that's happened. And then we equalised. Don Hutchison equalised. And then later on, Mickey, Mickey Gray crossed for Niall Quinn uh, to head it in. And that, that was a nice moment. The, the amount of effort that we got to go at that game, we were sitting in the Newcastle end. So probably that one. But in, in fairness, the, the one good thing that some of the fans have got in recent seasons is that our recent record against Newcastle is actually quite good. So there are a few, but I think that one probably sticks out the most. Yeah, that 5-1 day was fantastic. I was in the Gallagate that day with my now wife and she turned to give me a cuddle at, at like the third, fourth goal. I'm in a pile on of Geordies at the end of my row. Oh, what a day. What a day. But yeah, that Sunderland team, I think, didn't the next week after you win 3-0 at Chelsea or something like that? It, was, it wasn't It was long after that. It wasn't long after that. We went down to Chelsea and um, uh, Welbeck scored. Uh, Asimo Jan scored and did that dance where Bolo Zenden did his dad dancing next to him whilst trying to copy him. Try to think you go. Oh, and Nadim Onua, Diego Onua yeah. ran the whole pitch and scored. Yeah, so that was a good team. And we, Steve Bruce likes to mention it that he he led us to tenth that season and he he did do well and that uh, I, I wasn't mega confident going into the game at St James Park but I did not see five one. Titus Brown got sent off. Yeah that was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> that really was very Memories. funny. Good memories, bad memories depending on which sort of divide you're watching or listening to this today. Um, but Tom Sky Sports is an institution, a fantastic institution. And you've been there since August 2004, I believe. I think you've done every single job known to man at Sky, um, from being a runner in Champions League nights to obviously weekly they're presenting, uh, presenting there on Sky Sports News since August 2011. 
putting a kiss to the viewers there looks like yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, Chelsea had just signed uh, Courtois, look, from Genk. Yeah, and, and uh, Lucas Piazzon as well, who I'm not sure if he ever played a game. He had about 10 different loans. Not sure <laughs> if he ever even played for Chelsea. <laughs> Definitely. But even so early on, I've got you being a runner in Champions League nights early on in your career at Sky. Even then, did you just think, well, because I'm in, I'm on the little, the, maybe the first step on the ladder, I'm in. As long as I just do this for a certain amount of time, I will get to where I want to be eventually. It was it was exactly that. It was at the bottom of a ladder, a ladder I wanted to be on. So I knew that if as long as I worked hard, I was confident I would get that chance. And if I if I got a chance, it would then be up to me to take it. And I can't blame anyone else. As long as someone gives you a chance, you know the the ball's in your court. You've it's up to you whether you take it or not. Um, and and that's what happened. But when we when I was a runner, though, like so, so a runner for people that don't know, you kind of you're making teas and coffees, you're looking after guests. So that's a huge perk because you're looking after some of your heroes. Um, oh, yeah, stop you, it, Tom! Come on, I'm not yeah. your hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, well, actually, Graham Souness, I was used to be looking after Graham Souness as well when he was Newcastle manager. So he uh, used to, he used to. Um, not, not wind me up, but on those Champions League nights, I remember the first time Richard Keyes, um, R- Richard Keyes said to Graham Souness when I, when I brought him his coffee, Richard Keyes said, hey, careful, Graham, he's a Mackham. And Graham Souness like, looked at me, straight faces anything, and just went, you have no piss in it, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd just like to make clear, I hadn't, all right? Um <laughs> And so, you know, people like, I mean, huge names like that, and Gianluca Viali, Rude Hullet as well, for, former former Newcastle manager, not, not so fondly mem- uh, remembered for you. Although I don't, I'm not sure if you have fond memories of, of Souness himself, actually, but, um, but but people like that. And then Niall Quinn started, and I was just, uh, I was absolutely awestruck. Him and, him and Jamie Redknapp started at the same time, and everyone was, like, flocking around Jamie Redknapp, especially my female colleagues, I had a clear run to Niall Quinn, so I was I was just in heaven, and he's he's such a gentleman. I had great chats with him, um, great man. So all, although you're saying there, I was, I was at the bottom of a ladder, which I was, and the pay was like like pointless because you couldn't you had no money to buy anything with it. I actually was very very happy. I, I really enjoyed it, and and just got my head down and worked very very hard, and, and gradually worked various ways up to to become a present when I first went there I wanted to be a commentator I did do a bit of commentary and it's something I I may still turn to in the future but it didn't take me long to realize that actually I wanted to go down the presenting route and eventually got there I mean just how much has it kind of maybe changed in the past four or five years Sky Sports News because there's like now instead of just being straight rolling news 24 7 it's different shows on it like good morning transfers where, where you've again had some fantastic guests throughout january uh, particularly in the 9am kind of ones um but yeah just how much has it changed uh, for you over the past few years yeah well what we've we've done is what sky has always been good at oh god it's a handsome picture of me there i like that one. Um, <laughs> i think I'd, I'd either just been on a sunbed or just been on holiday definitely that's the kind, that's the kind of bronze look that I'm that I'm, I'm well known for. Um, well, then again, the sun always shines in the northeast, so maybe I've just been home for a few days. Exactly. Um, 
Yes, it, it's changed a lot. We've we've embraced change. Uh, people look at, get their news in different ways now. Um, and the one thing that I really, really am very keen on and all for and will argue with anyone who wants to argue against it is we need to get, we, we need to speak to fans. We need fans' reaction. We need the fans' side of the story. Now, we get world-class analysis from uh, ex-managers or outwork managers, ex-players, world-class analysis, and they bring so much. But we completely ignored fans for so long, all right? So, Sam, when you've been on, you can speak from a Newcastle fan point of view. So we can sit around around the desk or speak to ex-players, managers about signings, for instance, or just a bad runner results, a good runner results. We need to know what the fans think of that because the fans are the most important part of a club. So getting people like yourselves on and pod- podcasters, YouTubers with a huge following because they are representing the fans. On radio, you can do it as a phone-in, all right? Fans phone-in. It doesn't work so well on television, all right? It works great on radio. I love it, all four. It doesn't really work on television. So what we've decided to do is do it this way. Get um, podcasts on, get YouTube channels, people from YouTube channels, people from podcasts on it. And I think it has really added to our coverage personally. And anybody who kind of turns their noses up at it, I actually get really annoyed. And and I was, and, and this'll, this'll, this'll shock, let me just charge on my laptop. Um, this will shock you. I was listening to a podcast the other day. So just remember, I'm listening to a podcast, right? And they were specifically slagging off the shows that I present during the transfer windows. Not they weren't slagging off me. In fact, they were making it clear that that it you know it, that it wasn't the kind of well-known presenters that the presenters they used to see and that they had the problem with. They had a problem with the the younger journalists that we have on the panel. Right. right, journalists. Remember, they were like, "Who are these people?" Right. Well, they're journalists. All right. Just because you haven't seen them much, well, that's because they're young. You didn't see when I first started. I was new. Jeff Stelling was new once. All these, you know, Dave, David Jones was new once. Right. So don't go dismissing people because they're either young or new straight away. And I heard them sliding off. Oh, and then they get these like, like. YouTubers on and podcasters. I don't. This guy. You're a podcast. You are a. <laughs> yeah. These, these podcasts and YouTubers are giving the view of the fans. You are doing a podcast for the fans of your club. How on earth are you slagging this off? Like, and, and, it, and it that like, just baffles me that there is still quite a lot of, um, what's the word? Uh, opposition to this, kind of like an opposition to change. But those people who are whinging about the change are the same people who whinge when it was 24 hour rolling news and saying, oh, it's the same every hour. Well, for some people you can't win. Some people, they're never satisfied. And But I, right now, I I love all this. I, I love embracing it. I love it. And anything new, I think. If someone comes up with an idea, why not try it? What have you lost? What have you lost really? You might have lost five minutes of TV. It ended up not being as good as you hoped. You might end up having five minutes of TV, which is dynamite, which goes out on all of our social media. 
all of our, our YouTube, our all of our platforms, and we've got every platform going, may become a regular feature. That five minutes might end up being an hour show. It's so good. So why not give it a try? I think it's actually really refreshing, these big companies like Sky, for example, giving the fans a chance. You know, fan media has always been talked about. Some people like it, some people don't like it. That's fine, but at least give them a chance. And I think that's really refreshing what you're saying, Tom, about it. Did you welcome fan media to start with, or have you learned to basically accept it, but learn about it as well? I Well, I, I've listened to um, Sunderland podcasts for years and other sporting podcasts as well. Um, so straight away, how could I be against it when I am, I'm a, I'm a consumer, you know, I'm, I'm a listener um, or, or viewer if it's, if it's a YouTube channel. Um, and I've always said that we need to get fans view and this is a way to do it. So I was, I was very open to it. And again, why not give it a chance? This is a chance. So I, like, I, like I've just said there, if someone comes up with an idea, we should go with it, right? I've also said we need to have a fan view of what's going on at their club. Well, that's both of them put together. So I was very open to the idea and very, very glad that, in my opinion, it's working. Yeah, it's it certainly is working. I mean, it was it's great viewing across the day throughout the transfer window. Um both in the mornings and the afternoons, but I think you did drop a bit of a clangor towards the end of the month. How is the tattoo healing? <laughs> oh, well, just in so much pain, so much pain, blood everywhere, uh, almost fainted. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's, it's, it's washed off. It washed off in a couple of days. Um, so I'll tell you the story behind that. So... You, you, you know you, you know how it came about, but for anyone who doesn't know, I'll, I'll explain it and then explain what happened with the actual tattoo. Um, so I said on air on deadline day, if Jermaine Defoe signs for something, I'll get hashtag transfer talk tattooed on my body, right? Because I just didn't think he would sign. I thought these, these I mean, some don't get good news and that would be good news, so it won't happen. Anyway, it did happen. And it, it was confirmed in the early hours. So um, the news desk phoned me the next day and said, right, we need to do something with that, this tattoo. Do you want to just get a henna tattoo? I said, I'm actually going to go through with it. I'm, I'm going to get it. All right. I'm about to get on a flight to Edinburgh because my, my fiance is treating me to a couple of days away as a thank you for proposing to her, which is absolutely fair enough. So she should. Right? <laughs> so, um, any, thank you. Any, any men out there who just proposed to your uh, fiance? Well, you are due a couple of nights away on her, right? Um, and and I said, right, I'm, I'm getting a flight to Edinburgh, so I can find a tattoo parlor in Edinburgh, no problem. Um, but I'll, I'll, you'll need to get a camera there. So that was last Tuesday. So I land in Edinburgh, and the news desk phone me and say there's no cameras available because tonight it's the Dundee Derby and the Edinburgh Derby, right? So Dundee Dundee United, Edinburgh, uh, Hearts against Hibs, or Hibs against Hearts as it was. And the next day is the old firm. So all the cameras, the camera operas are basically taken. So can you just film it on your phone? I was like, I am one. There's no way I'm sitting there in pain holding my phone like that. That will look <laughs> 
one, that'll look rubbish, probably, probably even unusable, right? Two, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to go through that pain and have a good laugh about it, you know, it, it has to be done properly. So I'll get the henna. We'll have a bit of fun with it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll not tell anyone it. We'll, we'll, we'll put, it's bloody obvious it's not real, right? But we'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll let the viewers guess if it's real, you know. We'll do it that way. Have a bit of fun with it. Um, and then I thought, you know, may, maybe if some of them go up, we can do something maybe, you know, get get a real one at the end of the season and kind of and, and make something of it because I, I think it would actually be quite fun viewing um, and I don't take myself too seriously, so I would actually be happy to go along with it. But no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very much washed off. <laughs> um, talking about transfers, um, we've seen the likes of yourself and Pete Graves has been on the show before and you can always tell that excitement, that buzz when a big transfer is going to happen. And like I say, I'm sure you've been on plenty over the years. Is there a particular one that stands out? And how quickly do you get told that the sources, ha- sources have confirmed this is happening to you getting it in your ear? Because it, it just seems to be so much hearsay. But then when you report on Sky, it's like, well, it's definitely, there's definitely something in it. Yeah, I think when, when Sky breaks a story, whether it be a manager sacking, a, a signing. Um, you may have seen it elsewhere first. We Sky don't deny that. Um, Sky will have heard about it early, but Sky are very, very careful. right? And I agree with this, by the way. Sky are very careful. They, they need to get it backed up by various sources. And ideally, they need either the club or the player or the manager, whatever the story is, they, they kind of need confirmation. Right? And and I agree with that. I, I don't. I, I would prefer to not be first, but be definitely right, than be first and take the chance of it being wrong. So, when, when people see on the breaking news, that's when they actually trust it. And I, I like that. You know, I've, I like that. It's nice to be first, but it's more important to be right. And um, in terms of when we get the stories, it depends because sometimes it might be me or Pete Graves who are actually behind that story you know Pete might have a big story from Newcastle he, he might have got it from someone I'm not sure who, who his sources are but he might have someone at the club he might know the manager he might know the the, the, uh, the player's agent um and so he might give a little tip for instance that this is going on but I'm just trying to get it confirmed before we go with it and that can sometimes take days sometimes it can take one minute sometimes he might have a might phone someone, confirm, and we go with it. Sometimes the first time hearing about it is when it's in my ear. So it's it's all it's all very different. But I I love it when there's something that comes out of nowhere and breaking news. We've got to go with this now. It's massive. Cut off whoever you're interviewing. You know, in a polite way. Crash out of this VT. Um, Eddie Eddie Howe's been appointed manager of Newcastle. Right, huge news. It, Premier League managerial sackings and hirings are massive for Sky Sports News, right? Stop everything, go with it, okay? We've got no information yet, and that's when you test as a presenter because my knowledge is, I've backed my knowledge against anyone in the industry. I can reel off Eddie Howe's whole career. I can reel off the, the background, how the takeover happened. Steve Bruce was sacked. 
it's taken X amount of, of games. There's been Graham Jones has been in caretaker charge. These have been the results. I know that off the top of my head until somebody lines up either a guest, right? Or suddenly Newcastle release a statement. I've got a statement to read. And when we're looking for a guest, it might well be we go to a break and I'm ringing Steve Howie or Lee Clark or a Newcastle guest. Can you come on the phone right now? Yeah, okay, putting you through to sound. Here we go. Um, and I love that because that's that's what you that's what you're in this industry for. Big stories like that that you can take full ownership of. Yeah. I mean yeah, the, the, it's everyone gets a buzz, don't they? Like, and that that transcends through the screen to to the viewer as well. Um, you mentioned the takeover day there, and like the various events following on from that. But what were you thinking as a Sunderland fan witnessing the scenes? Because you 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 had your takeover earlier uh, last year, wasn't it? Or was it was it last year? It was uh, almost to the day. Actually, it was February. So yeah, oh. last year. So you had your takeover, but ours was sort of more long overdue with the 14 years of Mike Ashley. What were you thinking as a Sunderland fan looking at them scenes outside of St. James's? Oh, well, I, th- I think the whole footballing world said, God, they're going to be unbearable, aren't they? Those are <laughs> and, and, and you have been, by the way. <laughs> no, I, think, um, I think the... I like seeing the kind of... I like seeing a fan base being happy with their club, regardless. Um, quite exciting to see what the new owners might do. That's quite exciting at, at any club. Um, I think celebrations might have gone a bit over the top, but if uh, you know if that's if, if that's the way you all felt with your, your hashtag cans, then then fair enough. I think the, the gap between the lifelong debate that. I have with my friends is who's a bigger club, Newcastle and Sunderland. And pretty much my whole life, I've said we are exactly the same. Similar uh, stadium. Um, Yes, our training base is better, but that doesn't make you a bigger club. Both loyal and faithful fans, both passionate fans. Our club, very, very similar history. Our fans, our clubs are the same size. But since we've obviously been in League One, I can never, ever win that argument, obviously. And now Newcastle have the chance to really pull away. So from a Sunderland point of view, it may well be, well, our rivalry, there's there's two leagues apart, but we can again be rivals in the future. I think this makes, this could potentially, if Newcastle do it right, could potentially mean that our derby, our rivalry is never, ever the same again. Because from now, we should, we should be nowhere, we should get nowhere near you for the foreseeable future. Go on, Sam. I feel like you want to say something. <laughs> no, maybe, but that 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 that's kind of tinged with sadness, really. Um, because that the, the local rivalry still does add add a lot to to two games of a season, doesn't it? So I th- I think it's it's a weird one because like from a Newcastle perspective yes it it is a little bit funny that Sunderland have been in league 1 for so long cuz i think everyone thought you'd be down there one two seasons tops because there are plenty of other big teams that have gone down to league 1 Leicester Southampton Wolves and they've all bounced back but then you, you do you do want the derbies don't you and it, it, it's like 
the the financial aspect of how rich your club is, I, I, I think that would be, or how successful your club could potentially be. I, th- I still think you you still want that local rivalry and have the derbies. I think the the two derbies when when we're in the same division, when the fixtures come out, you are actually excited. You are excited, and only for those two games. I don't care when we're playing at Old Trafford, and like I, I, I don't care. Okay, you might look at Boxing Day because you, you might want to go to a game on Boxing Day. You might want to be at home on Boxing Day. Fair enough. But in general, you're only really bothered about those two games. And you adjust your calendar for that. If it turns out that you're supposed to be working on that date, you book it off. And you think to yourself, oh, hold on, it might be moved to the Sunday for TV. So you book the Sunday off as well, just in case. So now when the fixture list comes out, it's like, okay, well... I guess I can put the put the games in my diary and see which ones I can go to, but there's no excitement. So it's when I, when you say it's tinged with sadness, I think it's 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 very very sad. But that's not you know it's it, it's not it's not Newcastle's fault, and it's uh, it, it's it's our fault that we are we are where we are in terms of Sunderland. It's our fault that we are in League One and really really struggling. I mean, really struggling. It might take Roy Keane maybe to change it. Yeah, well, he's, if I was Roy Keane, I'd probably probably reject it now. <laughs> <laughs> who who would you want to take charge? Do, do you feel a bit sorry for Lee Johnson? Was his or was his second overdue, or did it seem like from the outside looking in? Because the northeast is so, is so similar. Like people from that aren't from outside the northeast don't always get it. And I think is that the case with Lee Johnson? No, he did get it. He he actually did. I, I liked him. Um, I I thought he would get the season because I, I accepted about maybe a month ago. We in the last minute, Accrington scored an equaliser against us. They had ten men. We were one nil up, and and we let them equalise. And I said then, okay, automatic promotion's gone. Concentrate on the playoffs. And I thought that in that case, just give Lee Johnson the end of the season. And hopefully he'll get it right in the playoffs. That's what I thought would happen. Um, six nil away at Bolton was re- very, very embarrassing. And I think it was a case of right, okay, well he he's not going to he's not going to win the playoffs, so we'll make the change. Now I, in terms of who I want or wanted, I should say, because it's it's not going to happen. I always, always since the beginning of time, have wanted Sam Allardyce at Sunderland. We've had him at Sunderland. He was amazing for us. I've always wanted him back, but he has personally said to me, when it comes to good to going back to Sunderland, never say never, but never in League One. So I knew it wasn't going to be Sam Allardyce. That was a bit pie in the sky. My second choice, or maybe even first equal, well, no, second choice, was um, was Emma Hayes from, from Chelsea. I think, um, I mean, her CV will immediately earn the respect of the players. She, when she's been a pundit on TV, she's been brilliant. So again, yep. will automatically have the respect of the players. Um, so I was, I was very keen on her. But I, I've said this on, I've said this on a couple of podcasts. So it, you know, this isn't me saying anything new. I think that she will be the first English manager to ever win the Premier League. Um, I know you'll be hoping it's, it's Eddie Howe, but um, no English no English manager has ever won the Premier League. The last English 
manager to win the top division was Howard Wilkinson, but that was when it was the old Division One. I think that eventually, Emma Hayes, even if it's caretaker that turns into permanent whatever, I think she eventually will get the Chelsea job. So I and I think that she will become the first English manager to win uh, the Premier League. So if that's a possibility, she's not going to come to League One. So I wasn't particularly confident about that either. I've never even heard heard her or Sam Allardyce's name mentioned. After that, there were a lot of play, a lot of managers who I would have been, you know, fairly happy with. Roy Keane um, is at least it's exciting, and at the moment we need something. We, I mean, we need something because it is it is at the moment it's heartbreaking. I mean, as as a fan base, and you will all love it in the, in the black and white half of the northeast, but we are the lowest we've ever been. And at least Roy Keane would give us some excitement. I'll have to, <laughs> have to rope you in. <laughs> that, 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 that's interesting, though, uh, Emma Hayes. I mean, that, that would be some kind of statement of intent from Roman Abramovich, wouldn't it, to, to hire her as, as, as Chelsea first-team manager? I could, I could see it to start off being caretaker, mm. interim, and... I think if she did that, I think she'd be a success and it would just continue personally. But I mean, that, that it might, of course, it might never happen, but that is, that is my prediction. And I've, I've said it a few times. It's not, um, it's, it's nothing new. It's, it's, um, I've never said it on air on, on Sky Sports News because we don't really, we don't really give our opinion. Um, but that, that is on podcasts. I can give my opinion. And that is my, I, I predict that, that will happen one day, but who knows? She certainly deserves an opportunity wherever she, uh, she gets that opportunity, whether it be Chelsea or somebody else. So she definitely deserves that chance. Just going I back agree. onto the break, just going back onto that breaking news kind of stories in particular, if I don't mind, Tom. Um, what is your biggest story that you've managed to get out there that you've been buzzing with, that you've been over the moon with? Yeah, my, that was um, when Raheem Sterling went to Liverpool. That was a long, we always call transfers sagas these days, even if it only takes a week, right? This one really was a saga. And I was, you know, all of every time you saw Sky Sources and a story about Raheem Sterling going from Liverpool to Manchester City, that all stemmed from me. And the reason, I mean, it, a big transfer, of course, it was, it was a transfer of the summer, but the the reason I'm the most proud of it is because there were so many things went on in that summer with that story. Sterling wanted to leave. Didn't want to hand in a transfer request because then you wouldn't get, I think everyone knows now, if you hand in an official transfer request, every player when they leave a club, they are given a signing on fee that's spread over the, the length of their contract. If they leave before the end of the contract, they still get that money. Right, even though they're no longer at the club, unless you hand in an official transfer request. So he'd asked to leave, but hadn't handed in an official transfer request. So straight away, you've got to explain that. Then you've got Liverpool absolutely furious. You've got Manchester City desperate to sign him. You've got um, Raheem Sterling and his representatives organising a meeting with Brendan Rodgers and the hierarchy at Liverpool. Because we've broken that story, Liverpool, purely because we've broken the story, Liverpool cancelled the meeting and said, no, no, we do this on our terms. All right. And we're at the centre of all that. And, and it was a, a lot of that story through the whole summer was exclusive to us. 
and that had all come from me and everything was accurate everything on that on that particular transfer everything was first everything was accurate and the transfer did actually happen so and it, and it took months and it was actually quite stressful you know phone calls in the middle of the night right having to deal with every side of it and at the end of it it was all worth it but let me tell you now it's stressful those reporters like Dharmesh Sheth and Carve Solical on, on Sky Sports News or people like David Ormstein at The Athletic, serial story breakers. I won nothing but admiration for them. But the stress that goes into breaking a story, like when it's when you're at the heart of it, it is it is intense, intense. So hats off to all of those. I salute all of them. Well, you mentioned there being at the heart of it. Just how crazy is it in the Sky Sports News studio on deadline day? Because as as days go, that's got to be absolutely batshit crazy. It's, it's brilliant, right? It's absolutely brilliant. There's certain people are on um, like an email chain because because I present a transfer show. I have to be on that, and you sort of top journalists are emailing in stories, right? And sometimes the stories need to be checked. Sometimes the stories are ready to go. And throughout the transfer window, you might get, on average, 10 a day, right? On deadline day, you're talking, I mean, your phone is constantly pinging with these emails of transfers that are close, transfers that are broken down, um, bids that have been rejected. And you actually, you can't keep up. So as a team, you're there presenting, but the whole team around you, the news desk, the production teams, the especially the reporters out in the field who are breaking these stories, it is, when you, you said there how, how crazy it is, it is, it is exactly like that. But oh my word, it is so much fun. And there's nothing better when a transfer comes out of nowhere. So, so is there on that chain then some some transfers that maybe break down and, and don't get out into the public domain then? It gets out in the public domain that they have broken down. Right. So because that because that is still a story. Yeah. That is still a story. It's um the fact that um the fact that Harry Kane didn't leave Tottenham was just as big a story than had had he left Tottenham. And and last summer, I've never known some a transfer window like it. This deadline day just gone, the January one, was brilliant. But January as a transfer window, unless you're talking about Newcastle, it was actually not that great. In the summer, I mean, Harry Kane, Lewandowski could have gone, Messi did go. We were talking about huge names. And um, Jaden Sancho as well, Jack Grealish. What a window that was. And imagine if a deal that big actually happens on deadline day, even better. I mean, I haven't got a small amount of Cristiano Ronaldo return to Manchester United. In the summer God, well, so. exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. He was going, and he was going to Man City. He, he was going to Man City until Sir Alex Ferguson intervened, which is in itself is massive. Yeah. Now that's a story. That's I, a story. I wonder if he's regretting that now. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even start last night, did he? No, but I think he yeah. came on. I saw some on 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 Twitter that final whistle went, and he was straight down the tunnel. 
He does Fact that two. though. No, he oh, does really? do that. He, he does that when Manchester United don't win or when his team doesn't win, he does go straight down the top. Um, so it's it's so annoying as a fan, but that's what he does. I think it's more a case of he's... I, I've got a feeling it's more a case of he's so upset with himself that he hasn't been able to win. I, I think that might be it. I, that, that is not a... That's not a one-off him doing that. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Very fair. Um, I want to speak a little bit about uh, Pete Graves because he's two have got a very, very good relationship, it sounds like, Tom. And uh, I think i even seen you... Uh, I think there was a picture years ago that you basically went with Pete and his mates for, for a Newcastle Sunderland game. I am assume it was at the Stadium of Light. It was definitely a few years ago. But uh, it seems that you've got a very, very good relationship. Yeah, well, he did kind of like for half the week live with me for a while because he... Um... He used to live down here, um, and but then him and his family moved back to the northeast, and he was travelling down, doing his shifts in a block, and then going home. So when he was doing those shifts, he was living with me because I was living on my own in Windsor at the time, and I had a spare room. So he lived with me for, um, you know, for for half the week for quite a long time, and it was it was great fun. It was it, it was it was it. I mean, we. If, if, if we had the chance where we weren't working the evening and weren't working too early the next day, we'd definitely go out, especially if there was football on. And we just had an absolutely great time. It was like, I mean, he, it, it, I think it was quite good for him because he had his, his family life. Then he had his work and kind of playtime. Um, kind of, you know, oh, actually, that's that sounds absolutely not what I meant it to sound like. I mean, <laughs> when, when I... When I say playtime, I mean you know going out and watching football and stuff with his with his you know work colleagues and and such like yeah we 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 um we had a great time then and and still now we actually share shifts now because as of well this week's the first week where we are now assigned to the early so good morning sports fans so first half of the week is me and um, a presenter called Bella Shah the second half of the week is Pete and. Uh, a presenter called Joe Wilson. So we now actually are kind of a, a kind of breakfast team now as well. So I'll be working working closer with him now. He's people often get us mixed up just because we're both from the northeast and we're both at a similar age. But let me tell you now we are very, very different. Very different. <laughs> I love that. I mean Pete always gets mixed up with everyone, though, doesn't he? If it's not Keith, Keith. Downey, yeah, 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 exactly. But with breakfast, then, how are you finding the early mornings? Four AM starts. Yeah, I, I love them. I, really? I don't know. I don't know what. When I was, when you were saying how I was kind of climbing that ladder for a while, I was a, a sub editor, which is kind of write, writing the scripts and cutting the cutting the pictures, cutting the interviews, um, and that was three AM starts. And I did that for two years and I dreaded being moved on to a late team. I really, I, I, let's say I've got a day off, but I've got a lot of stuff to do. I'm up early. I get all my stuff done um, as early as possible and enjoy the rest of the day. And I've got no problem with going to sleep early. No problem. Going to bed early, going to sleep. I'll often read, read, my, son a, yeah. read my son a story, right? And just go to bed. At the same time yep. as my son, and he's four. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm mine. I, I don't feel like I'm missing out. So I and and especially in the summer, driving to work at that time of the day, I, I remember a lot of my 
um, like dad's friends are farmers. My dad used to be a farmer. Um, and they're up, they, they had a 24-hour job, a farmer, believe me. And I remember one of them once saying to me years ago, I was just a kid and we were up really early. I don't know, I don't know why it was actually. I can't think why, but the sun was just coming up, maybe about half four in the morning or something. And, and I remember him saying to me, is this too early for you? And I was like, yeah, it is. He went, this is the, this is the best time of the day, right? And didn't really give it much thought. And now, especially in the summer, being up at that time, I know what he means. Everything is calm. There's like, you've got your whole day ahead of you. And you just kind of, it's, it's, you, you feel very calm and very relaxed at that time of the day. And once you, once you do that, I can understand why people would dread it, but I absolutely love the early mornings, apart from when Sunderland are playing the night before, because that means that even if I want to go to sleep, I cannot, I, I cannot do it. And the next day is a bit of a write-off. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you because I think you'd be waking up every five minutes thinking, oh, I've got to go back to sleep. But no, I'll, 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 I'll persevere, I'll persevere. But um, in terms of your uh, career now, Tom, what is there anything else you want to achieve? You said you were thinking about going back into commentary potentially, or is there something else that maybe uh, you want to get your teeth into? This this is the job that ever since Sky Sports News started, even before it was 24 hours, it was called the might be called the Score Center or something, or um, football, oh, it might be sport, Sports Center, that would make sense. And it was kind of like an hour here and there. Ever since I saw that, I wanted to do that job. And and that's the job that I've aimed for. That's the job that I've got. So ideally, I think just as long as the channel continues to grow, then I can keep hopefully improving as well. And I'm very, very happy where I am. So that doesn't mean that I'll be here forever. I've got a feeling if, I, if I'm not here forever, it probably wouldn't be my choice. But and then other opportunities can come up that would excite me, but nothing excites me more at the moment than, than where I am. Yeah, it, it is. It is sort of living the dream, isn't it? It, it, it just seems like a cracking thing to do. Um, I'm fully on board with the early nights as well. My word. Yeah. <laughs> fully on board with that. But um, so what's more likely then Sunderland to get back in the Premier League? Obviously, they've got the League One and Championship to go through or Newcastle getting into the Champions League. I think... I'm, I'm not... Hmm. I'm not confident that Sunderland going up this season, put it that way. So that would immediately give new... And I think that Newcastle are already safe. Right. I think you can. I mean, I don't mean I don't mean you, you can go the rest of the season. I don't mean you can go the rest of the season losing, but I think you can start planning for next season in the Premier League. I don't think there's any way in the world that you're going down. I think you will. I think you were really good against Everton. I had Sunderland on my laptop and, and Newcastle on the TV. Um, Half time, I switched it to Burnley because that handily kicked off um, 15 minutes later. Um, I, I think you can plan for next season. I don't think you'll get into the Champions League next, as in, I don't think you'll qualify next season. But the season after is a possibility. It is a possibility. It's, it's going to be hard, 
But I think that both of us have got a short term, we can't get to the Premier League. Short, short term, you can't get to the Champions League. I think medium term is um, is realistic for both. Yeah. I think if we do stay up this season, then the summer is going to be very, well, a lot of fun in terms of transfers. I mean, would you want it to still be, would you still want Eddie Howe? Yeah. yeah. I don't see why not. Yeah. Why do you say that, Tom? What? Why? No, I'm just wondering if you see him as the man that would get you to the Champions League. I can, I can see why you'd have him as the man to keep you up. I remember when Steve Bruce took the Sunderland job, we felt it's the right man at the right time. We had a billionaire owner who really did pump a lot of money in, and the aim was to to go from fighting relegation to Europe. You know, in in a short period of time, Steve Bruce we didn't feel would get us into Europe, but we felt that he would take us maybe to the next step, and then we'd have to replace him to go higher. Is that the way you feel about Eddie Howe, or do you see Eddie Howe as the person who can actually bring you the success? Go on, Sam. I think with Howe, he deserves the chance because when when he was with Bournemouth, obviously he built a fantastic reputation. He was the next big thing. He was a future England manager. He was a future. He was constantly linked to Arsenal. So yeah. why not give him the chance to to really fulfil his his own potential um, and see if he is what. A lot of people thought he, he he could be earlier on in his career. I mean, time's on his side still. Um, I think he did, at least deserves the opportunity to. He, he might get us there. And whilst we didn't have that new manager bounce results-wise, we certainly did in, what, in the performances that we saw on the pitch, as opposed to Steve Bruce, who I know he's managed both of our teams, Um Penny for Andy Carroll's thoughts. Now uh, they're both at West Brom, but you, you could tell a massive uplift. I mean, the, the the team last night looked a hell of a lot fitter because I think Steve Bruce left us very undercooked going into this season. But I don't know. Yeah, no, it was, it was more more a question than, than my own opinion. I just wondered if he was the man who you saw bringing the success. But there, you you are right. You definitely because he, he will keep you up. I, I can assure you of that. And from there, you can't, I, I wouldn't change him in, in the summer. I just wonder if he can take you to that next level. But that is, you are right, he definitely deserves that chance. I do think the ownership might have a marquee name in the future, down the line, where they go, I'd like to have this manager in. Like you see with Spurs, yeah. potentially you've got Conte, Manchester City, brought in Mancini. I think if there's a particular name, I, I think you can't you know be what? crazy not to look into it. I can imagine Jose Mourinho's first Newcastle press conference, the spirit of Mr. Robson and all that carry on. I just think that Jose Mourinho was always meant to be Newcastle manager at some point. But I will be very, very surprised if Jose Mourinho isn't the Newcastle manager at some point. Very surprised. Mm. I think when you when you are looking to get that final push to Champions League places, I think it will be him. Yeah, yeah. I, I can just imagine everything he's going to say in his first press conference. But you know, Eddie Howe's doing a cracking job at the minute, and, and I'll admit it wasn't he wasn't my first choice. Like Johnny, you'll remember. Like I, I went on Five Live and I was asked who my choice was, and I said Unai Emery. Lo and behold, two weeks later, Sky are running a story saying 
you know, Newcastle and Emery is, is almost done. I was I was feeling very very clever with myself, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't to be. But you know, how how deserves that opportunity? I mean, I love the scenes last night. Were just oh yes, please, yeah. yeah they were, so. they were, they were, it was fantastic. I, my, mine was actually Stephen Gerrard. I would have liked to see Stephen Gerrard. It's ironic as we mm. record Newcastle's yeah. next game is against Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa. So. Yeah. Which will be live on Sky Sports on Sunday as well, so it'll be fantastic yeah. to tune in as well if you can't go to the game on Sunday. But Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Greenwood and Wellness Show. It's been brilliant talking all things Sky Sports transfers, the rivalry between Newcastle and Sunderland. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Me too. It's, pleasure is all mine, gentlemen. Thank you. Well, hopefully in the summer we're on Sky Sports talking. Tom about uh, Newcastle signing Sven Botman, Alexander Isaac, uh, Mbappe, Haaland. The list goes on, but I don't know at least it's at least it's not like a, a deadline day loan move for Hamza Chaudhry that's broken down. <laughs> aim high, why not? Aim high, so you should. Definitely, in all walks of life, aim high. From myself, Jonathan Green with Sam Roller and Sky Sports News presenter Tom White. We'll see you all very soon. Newcastle Fans TV.